Dear friend, I'm Dr. David Jeremiah, and I'd like to take a moment to speak with you as the world faces the coronavirus pandemic. There is no question we are living in a time of unprecedented uncertainty. It is unlike anything I have experienced in my whole life. And the temptation in times like these is to allow fear and worry to creep into our thoughts and to rob us of our joy. But in these uncertain times, we need to remember that God is still in control. And my prayer for you is that you are healthy, you're in a safe place and surrounded by those you love. Please keep the ministry of Turning Point in your prayers as well. We will continue to bring the healing power of God's Word to you each day on radio, television, and online. And I really hope this will be a source of encouragement to you during the current coronavirus. So be safe, be in the Word, and be in prayer. Scripture is filled with stories of God's power helping the heroes of the Bible. But His power wasn't just for heroes. It's still available for every believer. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah takes a closer look at the power that's unleashed when you move from reading God's Word to applying it. To introduce the conclusion of his special message, How to Receive the Word of God, here's David. Well, thank you for joining us today. We are finishing up this week by concluding our message, which we started yesterday on the power of the Word of God. We're presenting these month-end messages in preparation for the teaching of our brand new series, which begins in October. And by the way, um, we have just a few days left for you to pre-order the book, Where Do We Go From Here? When you pre-order the book, it will be sent to you uh, right away as soon as it's released from the press. And you will also get some downloadable assets that you will really love and, and want to have. So... Go to our website, davidjeremiah.org, easy to find, and there you'll have all the information about pre-ordering the new book, Where Do We Go From Here? And let me remind you once again of something that keeps um, kind of slipping under the radar. We're going to the Caribbean, uh, our first time back in a cruise, on December the 30th. We're going to take this beautiful Holland American ship, and we're going to we're going to cruise the blue waters of the Caribbean visiting some beautiful um, ports of call, but most of all, spending the end of the year and the beginning of the new year in this beautiful place aboard this beautiful ship with some beautiful people. I hope you'll join us. You can find out more about that at our website as well. Well, we started this yesterday talking about how to receive the Word of God. Not just hear it, but receive it. How to appropriate it. How to apply it. Here's part two of that lesson as we close out this week together. My friend, whatever you do with this book is a picture of your relationship with the living word who is so wonderfully displayed in this book from cover to cover. This book is all about the living word. You say, well, that's not in the Old Testament. Oh, yes, it is. From the very beginning of the Old Testament, every picture you take from Genesis chapter 3 on is a picture of the coming redeemer who is so wonderfully told in the New Testament. So, these believers from Thessalonica not only heard the Word of God and received the Word of God, they welcomed the Word of God and they anticipated the Word of God because the Word of God to them was the message of Almighty God concerning Jesus Christ, His Son. 
Then notice fourthly, appreciating the word of God. It says here in this verse, and we're just teaching one verse here, verse 13, with all of these embellishments. Verse 13 says, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. Let me say that again. You welcomed it, you anticipated it, you received it not as the word of men, but you received it as it really is in truth, the word of Almighty God. Nowhere is there a more lucid affirmation in the New Testament that the apostles considered their words to be the very vehicles of the word of God itself. In fact, the contrast between the words of men and the words of God is stressed here over and over again. Paul was overjoyed that the Thessalonian Christians had received the word But he was overjoyed that they received it not just as the word of other men, but they received it as the word of God. And he thanked God without ceasing, says the text, that they had done this. Unfortunately today, many receive the word of God only as the word of men. They say it's good literature. Did you know you can take classes in secular universities on the Bible as literature? Now granted, the word of God is good literature the best literature you will ever read. But if that's all you take the word of God to be is good literature, it will never have any dynamic effect upon your life. Others say that the Bible isn't the word of God, it contains the word of God. That parts of it are God's word and parts of it are not. And that parts of it are inspired and parts of it are not inspired. And my question has always been, if that's true, then who's inspired to tell us what part's inspired and what part's not? (laughs) Who can tell us what is God's word and what is not? Surely we must accept the whole Bible as the word of God or reject the whole Bible that stands or falls as a unit. One of the things I don't like about red letter editions of the Bible is some people get the impression that only the red letters are inspired. The whole Bible is inspired from beginning to end. When you appreciate the word of God and you welcome it as it is indeed the word of God, you will be different. The church of Jesus Christ cannot live today without this conviction. To preach interesting little moral essays can never prove an adequate substitute for the word of God. This is not the word of men, it is the word of God. This is not the word of David Jeremiah. I am only an echo of the word that comes from the pages of this book. My words have no value whatsoever apart from the affirmation that my words give to the word of God, which we have in front of us in our Bibles. Appreciating the word of God. We should never approach the Bible as we approach other books. The Bible is different in origin. The Bible is different in character. The Bible is different in content. The Bible is the word of God. It was inspired by the spirit of God. Do you remember this verse in 2 Timothy 3? All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The word of God is inspired. It was written by men of God who were controlled by the Spirit of God as they wrote. So that using the personalities of both the Old and New Testament writers, the Holy Spirit controlled their writing process so that 
what they wrote down in the words of their own personality was indeed the word of Almighty God to us, untouched, without error, and authentic. Because of this, the word of God is pure and holy and perfect. Listen to the words of the psalmist. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgment of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. This is the word of God. This is not the word of men. What was the difference in the church in Thessalonica from so many of our churches today? Do we hear the word? Yes. Do we accept the word? Yes. Do we welcome the word? Absolutely. But do we accept the word of this book as the word from Almighty God that has no alteration in it and that is to us as an edict from God himself? It is not debatable. It is not something we can argue with. This is the word of God as surely as if God were to be on the platform in our church on Sunday giving to us his direct communication as to how we are to live our lives. That's the way the people in Thessalonica accepted the word of God. They believed that it was God's word to them and they took it seriously. Now notice what it says at the end of verse 13. And that is applying the word of God. Notice how this verse ends so carefully. It says the word of God which we accept, which we acknowledge, which we welcome. This word is able to effectively work in us who believe. Which also effectively works in you who believe. The word effectively works in you is the Greek word energetai. It's the word from which we get the word energy. The word of God energizes you. The word of God works within you and makes you different. Almost always the New Testament writers use this term for some form of supernatural activity. The word of God creates a supernatural work within your heart. Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God is powerful. It will make a difference in your life. If God speaks to me and I follow what he says, my life will be changed. How does God's word energize me? How does it change me? Let me give you some thoughts about that quickly. First of all, the word of God is what converts your soul. Psalm 19, 7 says, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. It is the word of God that causes you to become a Christian. It is the incorruptible seed of the word of God that comes into your heart. Listen to me now. You cannot be saved without the word of God, and you cannot be saved without the spirit of God. If the word of God and the spirit of God do not cooperate in your salvation, you cannot be a Christian. 
You say, well, Pastor Jeremiah, I don't even remember the verse that I used when I got saved. Does it make any difference? It was God's word that somebody shared with you about the gospel that was planted in your heart. And the Holy Spirit took that word and made it come alive in you. And you became a Christian. It's the word of God that converts you. You cannot be saved without the word of God. To try to convert somebody to Christianity without preaching the Bible is foolish. Tell all the stories you want. But what do you tell the stories for? To illustrate what? To illustrate the truth of the word of God. Give all the invitations you want, but invite them to what? Invite them to receive the word of God and what it says about their soul and about their destiny and about their need for Jesus Christ. So you can't be saved without the word of God. That's why when you preach the word of God, I'm always amazed. I listen to the testimonies in the baptistry and God knows my heart that we can do a lot better in evangelism than we do. But people are constantly getting saved in this church. And how do they get saved? (laughs) Through the word of God. I'm not an evangelist. I don't consider myself. I know I need to do the work of an evangelist. But people get saved through the word of God. And God's word changes them from the inside out. The word of God converts the soul. That's the work that it will do in your life. The work that it will do in mine. The word of God cleanses our life. Listen to Psalm 119 verse 9. How can a young man cleanse his way? How do you do that? By taking heed according to your word, says the psalmist. John 15, 3 says, you are already clean through the word which I have spoken to you. John 17, 17 says, sanctify them through thy truth. Your word is truth. The word sanctify means to cleanse or to make holy. So the word of God is what cleans you up. You say, how does that work? Do you all know how it works? You read the word of God in the morning, whether it's Proverbs or any other book of the Bible, it confronts the sin in your life, doesn't it? It convicts you. How many of you have ever wanted to close the Bible as you were reading it? I don't need this today, God. I don't need this. Maybe you're doing something a little bit deceptive at work. You don't really think about it as deceptive, but then you read in the word of God and you'll find this a lot in Proverbs. Proverbs has got a lot of barbs in it, a lot of barbs. But you're reading along and all of a sudden the word of God pierces you. And what happens if you're a born again Christian, that process will cause you to change the way you live so that you will stop doing what you're doing. The word of God will convict you and it will cause you to go back and get right what is wrong. That's what the word of God means when it says it cleanses you. As you allow the renewing of your mind through the word of God, you are constantly being cleansed inwardly so that you can grow and you can deal with sin and get it out of the way and go on with the Lord. If you take God's word out of that equation, it's impossible for that process to happen. You will not go through a cleansing process just by hearing me preach. You will be cleansed through the word of God as you allow God's word to filter through your life. It is like letting your blood go through a machine and be cleansed and then pump back into your body. The word of God cleanses you. The word of God will control your walk. The word of God will keep you out of trouble. Notice Psalm 119 verse 11. Your word have I hidden in my heart. What's the rest of it? That I might not sin against you. Psalm 37, 31 says, the law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. Psalm 37, 31. I never realized where this statement came from, but I found out that it was in the flyleaf of Moody, D.L. Moody's Bible that these words were written. And the first time somebody saw them, they copied them down and they've become a part of our Christian heritage. And these words go like this, written in the front of his Bible. D.L. Moody had these words. 
this book will keep me from sin, or sin will keep me from this book. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? If you are walking with the Lord, it is because you have been in this book, and this book will keep you from sin. But how many of you know when you sin, you don't want to get in this book? You put this book away. You don't want to read what the Word of God says. You do something you know is in violation of the Word of God and the will of God. The last thing you want to do is have a Bible study. Because sin keeps you from the Word of God. So the Word of God will control your life. And control your walk. And then it's the Word of God that causes you to grow. You can't grow without the Word of God. You want to be energized. You want to be strengthened. It's the Word of God that will do it. Acts chapter 20, verse 32, Paul is speaking to the Ephesian elders and he says, So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. Now watch this. Which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. And then in 1 Peter 2, 2, we already know this, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Growth comes as you study the word of God. You already know these things, but I'm reviewing them so that you'll never forget the reason why the Word of God is the central message of any New Testament church is that the Word of God is what works in the heart of a believer. Then the Word of God controls or counsels our decisions. Listen to Psalm 19, 7 and 8. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Psalm 73, 24 says, You shall guide me with your counsel, and afterward you'll receive me to glory. Psalm 119, verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. When I read the word of God, I know what to do. And if I don't read the word of God, I get no counsel from God. God counsels me through his word. And then let me just give you one last one. The word of God confirms your salvation. It builds you up and strengthens you. Acts 20, 32, once again, brethren, I commend you to God and the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So listen again to the word of 1 Thessalonians 2, 13. For this reason, we thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of Almighty God, which also effectively works in you. Now notice, it only works in you if you believe. It works in you who believe. Now, if that's true, And that's really the way these people approach the Word of God. Do you understand why they had a dynamic church? Every morning, they were in the book trying to find out what their marching orders were for the day. Lord God, what do you want us to do today? Who do you want us to talk to today? What do you want us to say today? Lord God, what are you doing in our life today? Every day, they heard the Word of God. And they received the Word of God. And they welcomed the Word of God. And they believed the word of God, and the word of God energized them to do the work which they so effectively did. And it kept them through suffering, and it kept them through struggles, and it gave them a dynamic that made them one of the most dynamic churches we have any record about in the New Testament. Well, if that's true, I don't have to make much of an application here, do I? If that's true, 
What is our approach to God's word? How should we approach it? What should we do if this is true, if this is the secret to dynamic Christian living and a dynamic gospel church? Then let us do the following things at least. We love the word of God. We love it. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all of the day. Psalm 119, 97. And we study the word of God. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. And we meditate on the word of God. My eyes are awake through the night watches that I may meditate on your word. And we rejoice in the word of God as did Jeremiah. Your words were found and I ate them, he said. And your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. And most important of all, we then live out the word of God. There's a wonderful little phrase in Titus 2.10, and it goes like this. I'm going to ask you to repeat this. Adorn the doctrine of God. Say that out loud. Adorn the doctrine of God. What do you think that means? It means put it on. Wear it. Let it be your outward appearance. Don't just take the doctrine of God into your heart or into your mind. Let it be the doctrine of God that is your lifestyle. Wear the doctrine of God. Let it be the way you live. Live out God's word every day. Let everything you do and everything you say have some relationship to the word of God, which you have heard and you have accepted and you have welcomed and it is energizing your life at this very moment. Live out the word of God. British preacher John Blanchard, in his book, How to Enjoy the Bible, has written these words. Surely, he said, we have to be realistic and honest with ourselves to know how regularly we need to turn to the Bible. How often do we face problems and temptations and pressures? Every day. Then how often do we need instruction and guidance and greater encouragement? Every day. To catch all these felt needs up into an even greater issue, how often do we need to see God's face and hear his voice and feel his touch and know his power? The answer to all these questions is the same every day. As the American evangelist D.L. Moody put it, a man can no more take in a supply of grace for the future than he can eat enough for the next six months or take sufficient air into his lungs at one time to sustain his life for a whole week. We must draw upon God's boundless store of grace from day to day as we need it. And if we do that, and if we hear it, and accept it, and acknowledge it, and anticipate it, and apply it, we'll be different people. God will have us right where he wants us. And then he'll be able to use us in a dynamic way. So how do I translate that into my Bible time tonight or tomorrow? Read the word of God to understand what it says. Read the word of God to understand what it means. But most of all, read the word of God to understand what it means to you. And ask God before you open this book, Lord God, I don't want to just go through a fruitless exercise of reading the words in this book. In my reading today, there is a message from Almighty God to my heart. What is it that you want me to hear? Is there a sin here that I need to confess? Is there somebody that I need to get things right with? Is there a promise I need to accept? 
Is there something I need to turn away from? God, use your book today. Use your word today to guide my life. I accept it as your word. Now, almighty God, speak to my heart and help me to know what to do. And if we pray that prayer before we come to this book, God will give us direction. And you might be surprised what he will say. Amen. He's just waiting to communicate with us through his precious word. We have to be ready to receive it. That's what we've been saying these last two days. I hope you have received that as we have uh, concluded our study on 1 Thessalonians 2.13. Next week, uh, as we close out the month together, we're going to take a couple of days to talk about studying the Bible. And then I want to share a message with you entitled, A Book That Will Change Your Life. Before we say our final goodbye today and enter into the weekend, let me remind you again of the importance of your being in church and uh, remind you also that you can DVR Turning Point on television if it happens to conflict with that. We don't ever want to get in the way of you being in church. That's the most important priority in your life, especially now. So um, be sure to look for us. We're, we're in your area. You can find us. We're on a lot of networks, not just uh, Christian networks, but we're on the Fox Business Network. We're on uh, Newsmax. We're on a lot of networks that uh, you would not necessarily uh, expect to find us, but we're there, and I hope you'll join us over the weekend. Uh, we also want to remind you that um, our rallies are coming up, and they're going to be on us in just a few days. So uh, for one of the last times, let me continue to remind you, October the 5th in Tampa, Florida, October the 7th in Jacksonville, October the 26th in Houston, Texas, October the 28th in Fort Worth, Texas. In Tampa, we'll be at the Yingling Center and Jacksonville at the Star Veterans Memorial Arena, in Houston at the Berry Center, and in Fort Worth at Dickey's Arena. Tickets are available for these events, but you must have tickets. So go to our website, go to davidjeremiah.org slash tours, order your tickets, and we'll look forward to seeing you in one of these four places in just a few days. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll see you again on Monday. Today's message originated from Shadow Mountain Community Church and Dr. David Jeremiah, the senior pastor. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. Write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of our 14-month calendar for 2022, Moving Toward Hope, filled with scriptures and images to encourage your walk. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your favorite smart devices or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries to instantly access our content. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us Monday as we continue our series of special messages from Dr. David Jeremiah here on Turning Point. If you're looking to enhance your personal or group Bible study, look no further than the Jeremiah Bible Study Series. In each volume, Dr. David Jeremiah helps you understand what the Bible says and how to apply it. Along the way, you will gain insights into the text, identify key themes, and be challenged to apply the truth found in Scripture to your life. Get your copy today. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca slash study. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash study. 
Occasionally, I'll think, if I could be around one biblical character today, who would I choose? More often than not, Barnabas is my answer. Barnabas was apparently such an encouraging person that the leaders of the early church gave him the nickname, Son of Encouragement. Encouragement is the art of providing a fresh dose of courage in a life where it is missing. The famous Army General George S. Patton said, Courage is fear holding on a minute longer. You may meet someone today who's ready to give in to fear, so see if you can help them hold on with a fresh dose of courage. This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's encouragement on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.